So the, this class is called Yogic Nutrition, an Introduction to Self-Assessment with Ayurveda. And we're going to, the, the point of this class really is to give you a, a big picture overview of what Ayurveda is and how self-assessment and Ayurveda works so that you can have tools that you can work with, that you can apply in your own life. I want it to be practical and accessible, but at the same time, the natural health is kind of a rabbit hole where there's tons of information and lots of like tips and tricks and this is good for this and this is bad for that. And I, I think it's, personally, I think it's more helpful to get the big picture and the concepts because then as you integrate other pieces of information and as you learn and practice and try things out, you have a framework into which you can put, uh, put the things that you learn rather than just collecting like an encyclopedia of tips and tricks what I think is really the most interesting and helpful and accessible thing about natural health and holistic health is um, that there's a, that you have a framework that you can work with. And that's really what makes holistic health holistic is that you're looking at a big picture rather than, you know, a micro, looking at like microscopic pieces of information and sort of trying to compile those into a system. Um, my name is Mojo. Many of you know me. Um, I have a background in um, clinical Chinese medicine and also Ayurveda. Um, I, my training in Chinese medicine started in 2004, and my focus was primarily on nutrition. So we're looking at preventative health care, how to use food and integrate herbs into the diet for um, imp maintaining and improving health. Uh, I've since then have gone on to study herbal medicine and Ayurveda, which is another holistic healthcare system alongside Chinese medicine. They have a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences as well. Um, and I also have a background in aromatherapy, essential oils, and natural um, skin care and natural cosmetics as well. So um, the, I've been doing this for a little while, and... Um, I, I like to work with Ayurveda because I feel like the, the conceptual framework of Ayurveda is more accessible to the way that we're used to thinking about things. Um, so we want to get started with, uh, with something that we can really sink our teeth into and um, we don't have to like get caught up in kind of a, you know, an exotic oriental system. We can work with things that we can see with our own eyes and experience. Um, in our own lives. Uh, the Ayurveda, at the same time, Ayurveda, which is uh, the traditional healing system of India, it has at least 3,000 years of practical use. Um, and Ayurveda is entwined with the yoga traditions as well. So we can look at Ayurveda and yoga, and by yoga I mean the, the um, broader picture of yoga. Um, yoga primarily is a system of meditation. So when we're looking at, when we hear about yoga and yoga asana, yoga asana, is, uh, which is the physical postures of yoga, is one of, one of many tools in the yogic superstructure that is designed to improve and deepen our sensitivity and awareness so that we can deepen our meditation practice and use our lives to grow spiritually. And Ayurveda is a part of this. We could say that Ayurveda and yoga are two sides of the same coin. They're both looking at 
the same types of goals but from different, from different angles. So while um, yoga is primarily about spiritual cultivation, Ayurveda is about um, physical health and maintaining our body, but with an eye on spiritual cultivation. So Ayurveda and um, Ayurveda defines four levels of healing, or four approaches to healing, or four goals of healing. And I, I find it helpful to look at this because it puts Ayurveda into a context of what we're trying to do with it and what what it was really developed for and how it, what the innovations of Ayurveda are intended for. And the lowest level of healing, according to Ayurveda, is to treat disease. So when something goes, when something goes wrong, when you get sick, when you have an illness or an imbalance, we then apply remedies. We say, okay, well, for this type of disease, we want to apply this type of remedy to help cure or treat the disease or fix the mechanical problem in the case of like surgery or body work. The, the second level is to prevent disease. So we're trying to maintain health, um, have, a, have a long lifespan, and have enough energy to, to do what we want to do with our life. The, the third level is to encourage vitality. So we're not, at, at this stage, we're not just trying to prevent diseases and avoid problems. We're really trying to amplify the system, improve our capacity, increase our physical and mental and spiritual capabilities so that we really have a great deal of energy and uh, intensity and, and uh, energy eagerness so that we can really do more with our lives. Uh, and the highest level of healing is to promote spiritual growth. So you can see how these build on each other and with, with vitality, with the vitality that we're developing by using food and herbs and, and different types of healing treatments, is the purpose of all of that is to have a strong capacity for spiritual growth. So in Ayurveda, as in yoga, the main purpose of our lives is to develop spiritually, um, to have a, a clear mind and a strong body so that we can have a long lifespan, so we can spend time that we need to to uh, study spiritual teachings, to develop meditation skills and techniques, so that we can have some kind of personal transformation. So uh, as holistic medicine, um, the word holistic um, means to look at the big picture. we can compare holistic medicine to allopathic medicine, not that they're mutually exclusive in any way, but allopathic medicine is, the, is looking at disease symptoms and then applying remedies to correct those symptoms. Whereas holistic medicine is looking at the big picture, so we have a, a context and a framework for what ideal health and vitality and spiritual development looks like, and then we, have, then we can use the different Um, tools that we have, learning about the natural world, learning about different foods and herbs to um, maintain that high level and to continue to improve. So we're looking at, uh, it's a a system of macro thinking. We want to take as big a picture view as possible. And this also means um, not waiting for something to go wrong before being sensitive to our healthcare plan. Um, and uh, being proactive. We're looking, we are from the position of health, 
looking at what we can do to maintain and improve our health rather than just sort of ignoring the body until something breaks because we haven't been paying attention to it. The immune system starts to break down, the nervous, system's, the nervous system starts to break down, and then we're like, well, now what do we do? We've already done, we're already in kind of a hole, and we're trying to get our way out of that hole. So holistic medicine is actually starting from good, and how do we maintain good and get to great? And uh, in that, we are looking at how do, we, how do we take what we're already doing and improve upon it? So we're looking at things, instead of looking at how do we, how do I introduce new things into my life or change my life in some dramatic way to improve my health, we're looking at how do we fine tune the things that we're already doing in order to get the most out of them and not do, the, you know, have positive lifestyle practices that encourage health and vitality rather than unhealthy or unhelpful lifestyle practices that are going to degenerate the system and slow us down. So those are things that you know we do every day. We're already eating two or three meals a day, um, perhaps more, where we already consume liquids and different beverages, and so we could um, fine-tune what those foods and beverages are. We already are doing um, some kind of physical movement, hopefully, so exercise, how we use our body, how we, how we hold our body, so this, of course, includes practices like qigong and yoga and tai chi and martial arts, um, which, are, um, which are physical practices that are um, designed not just to uh, you know, increase the respiration and the heart rate, but really are about putting the mind into the body, turning our mind inside so that we can develop sensitivity, inner sensitivity to what's going on inside. And then... We don't just do yoga while we're in the, on the yoga mat um, or do qigong while we're doing a qigong practice. We take those principles and they modify the way that we hold our bodies throughout our, throughout our day. They affect how we sleep and, um, and they, become, they become integrated into our lifestyle. And that's a big characteristic of holistic medicine, holistic healthcare is how do we integrate these practices into our lifestyle so there's no, there's no line between this is something I do to be healthy and this is, you know, and then there's all the other stuff that I don't really pay attention to. We want to gradually shift and modify our lifestyle and our behavior practices. We don't need to make a big transformation overnight or like make some declaration and from now on I'm going to do this and only this and that other stuff is, I'm not, that's the old me. We don't, that's not really the idea. It's that we're gradually learning to pay more attention to what we're doing and um, gradually make little subtle adjustments, pay closer attention so that we notice, oh, when I eat this kind of food, I, I have this kind of feeling in my body, so next time I feel like reaching for, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to shame anybody about their particular <laughs> dietary practices, so I don't want to, <laughs> you know, mention any specific foods that we may or may not have been served at breakfast this morning. But, um, but you know, the, gradually over time, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to eat the stuff that, uh, you know, I maybe read isn't very healthy for me. And then instead of, like, having some shame around it, we just have awareness around it and start paying attention. And then gradually over time, you start to naturally, there's, there's no thing where you're like, I mean, there, maybe there's a time where you're like, well, I'm going to resist that even though it looks good. I know last time I ate it, it didn't feel so good. Uh, and then over time, then you're just like, oh, that's, I'm not really attracted to that stuff anymore. 
I'm attracted to different kinds of foods. I'm attracted to different kinds of lifestyle practices. And this is all sort of summed up in uh, how we use our mind. And so Ayurveda is essentially a mindfulness practice rather than, and that's what I'm, one of the things I'm trying to emphasize, rather than having a set of rules and guidelines, those are helpful uh, as a structure and sort of like a, you know, an internal kind of pep talk that you can give yourself. Like, well, I'm not eating that kind of food because I know this and this and this about it. I read some research study. I didn't feel so good or whatever, your, whatever motivates you to begin to make these changes. But we're, really we're cultivating how we use our mind and this again relates to Ayurveda as uh, a spiritual practice rather than as a like healthcare regimen necessarily. It is, it is that, but it's ultimately for the purpose of um, growing our spiritual lives and becoming you know, better people, having more cap- capability to help others. And so Ayurveda is an embodied cosmology. It's a way of having an internal um, self-awareness that relates and connects us to the cosmos, that connects us to nature and connects us to the cosmos in, in a direct and immediate way. So we're not, we don't feel ourselves as so distinct from nature or distinct from the, the uh, natural laws of the universe, but we begin to observe how those exist in our own body, exist in our own mind. And that is an important, I think that very much helps our spiritual practice because it, it helps that connection with the, with the world, with the world around us. As uh, we were hearing with the, um, taking refuge in the Sangha as being, see, as gradually beginning to see how we are interconnected with everything. And so Ayurveda has that as one of its core practices and one of its core teachings is that the the world and the universe that we see as outside of us is the same world and the universe that exists inside of us. So, uh, and, and also, it's um, a process of learning about health and healing by observing nature. So, like we were doing in the um, martial arts class this morning, where the, the exercises are based on observing that, our, ba- our animal forms, based on observing the animals and invoking the the type of energy that those animals um, carry, we learn from nature and we're able to apply those in our own lives by um, developing practices that reflect how nature is working. And this is true in um, many of the martial arts, both Chinese and Indian, and yoga as well. So these are all coming from this um, underlying um, philosophy or worldview of um, seeing our seeing our interconnectedness and seeing how we are a part of and included in the natural world and that we're not distinct or separate really. So w- with Ayurveda, we are um, beginning to the, so the, the co- one of the core teachings of Ayurveda and the philosophy or the worldview upon which Ayurveda is based is looking at the at five the five elements. And the, the five elements um, to list them are earth, water, fire, air, and space slash ether. Um, and I'll explain each one of these in a little bit of detail briefly. Um, but the, the, these are 
These five elements are not abstractions. They are ways of describing things that we can see and experience with our own lives, that in fact we do see and experience, and we're just trying to become more attuned to them. So um, the earth element is, a, so for example, they're, they're like in chemistry terms, they're like states of matter. So earth element reflects solidity, stability, um, the, 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 the cohesion or foundation for um, solidity. Um, the water element represents fluidity. So we're not just talking about water like is in a, a glass of water, but we're looking at it as the principle of, of matter in states of fluids. Um, the fire element, <clears throat> fire element represents transformation. So it, it does refer to fire in the sense of uh, when we see fire burning like a log on fire, but what we're seeing when we look at fire is the process of earth element volatizing and transforming into air element, and the, the fire itself is that process of transformation. It is the, the volatization of the, soli of the solid part of the wood into the gas which ignites, and that's what we're looking at when we're seeing fire. And that fire also refers to chemical transformations, the heat within our body, which is literally sunlight, because the energy in our body, all of the energy on, on Earth, the, all of the food energy on Earth comes from the sun through the process of photosynthesis. Plants convert sunlight into energy. We consume that, those plants, or, or we consume animals that consumed the plants and then turned the plants into their bodies, and then we're consuming their bodies. And then the heat in our body is the reverse process of photosynthesis. So the warmth in our body is solar energy. And that is, a, a, I think, a rather profound summation of what the fire element, what the, what the element of fire is referring to. So any process of transformation, um, whether it be chemical or radiant or nuclear is referring to, or biological, is referring to fire element. And then the air element is um, the, uh, matter in a gaseous state. So then we come to um, the fifth element, which is um, space or ether. Um, the word in Sanskrit, I'm trying not to load you up with too much Sanskrit. Of course, Ayurveda is, uh, uh, comes from India, so all of its vocabulary is in the Sanskrit language. But I don't think that we necessarily need to get too caught up in that. We can use uh, our own language to talk about these because they're universal concepts. We're not trying to adopt an Asian worldview or become more Indian ourselves by you know, adopting Ayurveda. We're trying to see and understand the universal principles that Ayurveda is communicating, and we don't need to learn a bunch of Sanskrit to do that. But in some cases, the Sanskrit language has... Um, there are connotations in the Sanskrit word that don't translate into English. And this word, uh, akash, or akasha, is um, one, of these, uh, one of these words. Because uh, akasha means, it does mean space in the sense of empty space, uh, which we heard earlier, what, you know, what the space that the, any physical object is occupying. Um, 
when you take the object away, that's the empty space. Although, of course, we know that the air element is actually filling that empty space. So even if there's no air element in a vacuum, that's the space element. But um, the word akasha has a connotation of the space being luminous or energized or having some content within the emptiness of empty space. So that's why we sometimes use the English word ether because um, we can imagine like radio waves, for example, or nuclear radiation, which cannot be seen um, or, or felt usually, but um, is nonetheless propagating through empty space. Um, sometimes we think of um, Akash or, as having intelligence or consciousness. So maybe the space element is also referring to consciousness itself, that um, what animates matter or what creates the condition of possibility for matter to function in life is the ether, the energized quality of the space element. Another way of looking at um, the space element is um, that it, it, this is a, a particular way of looking at the space element with this concept of it being, of, of it having a, a principle of being full as space being channels or the structures through which the other elements flow. So when we think of the space element, we could think of our blood vessels, for example, and the, 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 the structure of the blood vessels would be the space element through which the other five elements flow. So let's take a moment and do a brief contemplation on the five elements. You can um, optionally adopt the mudra of placing your thumb on your radial artery so that you can feel your pulse under your thumb. And directing your awareness inward, closing your eyes if that helps. Direct your energy inward, sitting with a straight spine. Taking a moment to observe the breath. Withdrawing the senses into the body. Placing your awareness on the pulse under your thumb, radial artery. And with each heartbeat, blood is moving through your veins, through your arteries, circulating the life force that moment to moment keeps your body animated, gives a home for your consciousness. And now consider the earth element, solidity, the nutritive essence of the food that you eat comes in through your digestive system is absorbed into your body and is circulated through your blood vessels.
after a while, the, the earth element leaves your body again. So we can feel under our thumb how the earth element comes from outside of us, comes into our body, becomes a part of us, circulates around, and then leaves our body again. Consider the water element, the fluidity of the blood, the fluidity of the body, the lubrication of the joints, saliva, digestive juices, hormones and neurotransmitters. And we can feel under our thumb how this water element comes into our bodies, circulates, and leaves again. The fire element, the heat of our body, comes into our body from the foods that we eat, plants which have absorbed solar energy, transformed it into their body, which we take into our body, and that energy is released in the form of heat and mechanical energy, allowing our body to move and function, creating the light of our consciousness. And the air element, the oxygen and that we breathe in is absorbed into our blood circulates, is used by our body, and, and with each exhalation, we release the air element back into the environment. And the channels of space, the structures of our body, the system of organization, the four billion or more physiological Activities that are happening in our body every instant that we're not even aware of. All mediated through the channels of space. We can imagine that the, the boundaries between our inner environment and outer environment dissolve. That the surface of our body is just a membrane as we continually take in the elements from outside, they circulate around inside and then leave again. And so we are in continual interchange with the environment. And letting the visualization go, returning to the room, opening the eyes as you're ready.